I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of Greenrope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Fetchdock, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. All right, to everyone listening out there, I got to ask you a question. If you knew that a home decor or furnishing purchase would ultimately help families caring for sick children, would you want to know more? Well, my friends at thetrendyspace.com are doing just that. They call it Warming Hearts by Warming Homes, and they're asking for us to swing over into their website, browse for some trendy home decor, check out, and in doing so, support families caring for sick children. See, the trendy space is committed to donating a portion of proceeds towards helping less fortunate families. You'll find hundreds of beautiful, trendy home decor and furnishing items at the trendy space site. But what makes them different is they believe no home decor could ever truly warm a home enough when there's a sick child in the family. So please check them out today. I want you to use the promo code WISDOM. That's right, promo code WISDOM at checkout and get 15% off your entire order just for being my appreciated listener. Go to thetrendyspace.com right now. Hey, are you looking to advertise? Like, are you really looking to expand on the reach that you have? Well, look no further than right here yes right where you're listening to right now right here on high level wisdom if you have a great business a product that you feel would serve our growing audience and also the executives that come on this show every single week feel free to send us an email info at highlevelwisdom.com that's info at highlevelwisdom.com once again that's info at highlevelwisdom.com to put your product to service right here at dollarseed.com, all of our seeds are only a dollar a pack. And we have online resources that teach you all about the rewarding hobby of growing your own plants, flowers, herbs, and vegetables. Imagine the joy you'll feel when your children actually help you harvest your first garden crop. Or the pride of knowing you'll never need a florist again. Visit dollarseed.com and grow a little magic of your own for just a dollar. Dollarseed.com. What could be healthier? It's that time of year again. You need to file your taxes. For many people, the word taxes brings on an instant headache. What's deductible? What's not? What's changed for the current year? The tax code is thousands of pages long. Who has time to figure it all out? Thankfully, Get Help Tax and Bookkeeping has a solution for you. Simply complete a brief questionnaire online, and one of our IRS-authorized tax professionals will prepare and file your return. It's fast and easy. Call 914-467-9271 to get started. If you need help, get help. Now, let's listen to this week's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another great week. Welcome to another great episode. I hope that your summer is off to a great start. Ours is right here on High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Listen, this week is an incredible interview that we have lined up for you. I was able to talk to a man who has been in the trenches. Uh, He has an incredible company in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, and it is literally a business unicorn. You may think I'm totally ballistic, but I promise you by the time you finish listening to this interview, you will understand what I mean. His name is Chris Elmore. Now, 
in the interview. If you watch our YouTube version of this interview, you will see we are dressed alike. I promise we did not actually try to do that, but he is an awesome guy. Um, he thinks, lives and breathes culture. He is the evangelist and an executive at Avid Exchange. Now, if you don't know anything about this company, they are in the payments realm. And I promise you, I consider them to be like the Tesla of the world of payments. Um, it's not a sexy industry, but this man and these guys have literally come into this industry and they have taken over. Uh, they are valued at one point four billion dollars. Yes, that is with a B, ladies and gentlemen. And they're in the hub of a city that is known for its financial services area. Nobody else can kind of get in. These guys are in. And I promise you, this is an awesome interview. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm just going to shut up because you guys need to listen to this interview. Here's my interview with Chris Elmore, a evangelist, a great man with a great heart for people. He has a culture that is a rock star. Make sure you tune in. Listen to this right now. My exclusive interview with Chris Elmore. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for tuning in to yet another great day, another great interview right here on High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. I am actually really excited about this interview. Uh, as Me you too. <laughs> and, and what's funny is, is that we share the same first name. That's so right. I promise when I introduce my guest that you see here sitting on my left, I'm not like talking about myself here. We actually share the same name. And what's really cool about today is that uh, as you've seen from some of the things that we've put out already, uh, some of the fun things that I was able to do while I was here at Avid Exchange, um, I learned a lot and had an opportunity to learn from some of the employees who work here. But more importantly, there is a buzz of culture that exists inside of Avid Exchange that has a lot to do with my guest today. Now, he's been around for quite some time, but this venture has probably been more than just a uh, uh, a baby to him. It has been something that has been a idea realized and taking over a corner of Charlotte, North Carolina, like none other. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to some present to others, my guest, Chris Elmore. Chris, how are you, man? man? Uh, it'd be great if you could do like a, an applause. Yeah, I'll, I'll add the applause in there for a little special. Chris, effect, I'm right? doing great. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. And then let me do one thing real quick. Absolutely. Let me pat you on the back a little bit. Okay. Are you okay? Are you good with that? Uh, I, I, okay. I, that hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, let's because, because here's the reason why is because I think this notion of baby boomers communicating to millennials is absolutely genius. Ah, okay. Yeah, and I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know how much of a fundamental that idea that is to what you do, but um, how'd you come up with that? So, he's interviewing me now, people, just so you guys can tell. So, um, is that is that not cool? No, 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 it's fine because I, I, I do I have been known to flip the script a little bit. <laughs> it's fine. So, um, the way it came up was for me just in short here was that um, I've had my own experiences when I was young in my corporate career. And I remember having trouble at a certain level. I was young and really excelling yeah. and kind of feeling like there was a ceiling. And somebody pulled me to the side who was a great uh, mentor of mine and said, hey, it's not your fault. It's just the fact that you're young. Yeah. And people are afraid of what they don't understand. Yeah. yeah. And as I began to do research and all my speaking and training, I realized that this was really a thing. I didn't realize that it was a generational thing. So millennials who are now taking over management, yeah. upper management, and yeah. sometimes like senior executive positions yeah. in companies, 
but then also baby boomers who are also facing a shared transition where baby boomers who are leaders are realizing that I have to give this over at some point. Some are resistant to it. Some don't want to do it. Right. But here's what I found very interesting. And part of the reason why I'm interested in talking to you today is the institutional knowledge that is lost because we either resist to give away information to to help find a successor and groom people properly. But then also how much it costs the company to lose that when that person walks out of the door. Or we try to stick a straw in that person's head and hope that within the six to eight months that they raise their head to say they're retiring, we get everything out of them. And what I realize is, is that it's, it's, (laughs) but it's, it's difficult, right? And so it makes it hard on the new person trying to absorb all that information. But then if you have a resistant person who's not wanting to give up a whole lot, right. And not wanting to share those intangibles, then they walk out of the door with more than just 25, 30 years of experience. They walk out with institutional knowledge that is invaluable to the company moving forward. And that's what I care about because I realize that millennials are today and the future. They're shaping it with the help of Xers, <laughs> right? But millennials have introduced a very um, millennials have introduced a very interesting disruption because native digital. That's all you have to say. <laughs> native digital that did not happen prior to millennials. Yeah. So it just creates this new way of thinking, uh, new irritants. I would say new abrasions that kind of happen in boardrooms today because millennials see an easier way to do things while sometimes boomers look at it and go, well, we've never done it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. It's always worked this way. I was working with a, I was working with a bank that is a subsidiary there in Florida and they're kind of like corporate bank is in Spain and the corporate bank in Spain was founded in like 1406. Wow. And could you imagine being part of a company that goes that far back? So when someone says we've never done it that way, (laughs) they really mean it. (laughs) Well, well, I I was watching uh, Seth uh, Godin, who was an exceptional genius of a person. I mean, everything from writing Lynchpin and all the books that he's done and his blogs worldwide. He he said something recently on an interview that I saw and he talked about how uh, because things are changing, um, it's hurting the ability to innovate because so many people are so staunch to the way they've done things. Yeah. yeah. Um, So for he gave this really cool example. He said when Henry Ford had a factory, he needed that many people to run the factory. Yeah. Today. I don't need that many people yeah. on an assembly line because no. I got robots, yeah. I got technology, yeah. I have more efficient ways of doing things. So what does that do to the average worker, the, the way of thinking, right? Yeah. And so he talked all about the changes to education. All these, you know, there's a, there's a name for that. What's that? It's called creative destruction. And so creative destruction, okay. and so what, and we study this in my class. Interesting. So I teach at UNCC and Queens. I teach entrepreneurship okay. and innovation. and. So creative destruction is when um, innovation automates or, or innovation pushes out either task in jobs or whole jobs. Wow. And um, the reason why I teach it in my class is because if you can understand what creative destruction is and you know, apply it to your product, I'll give you an example. At Avid Exchange, when we automate the accounting process, we free up 8,000 hours. That's 8,000 hours that goes back to the company. Interesting. And then now what they do with that 8,000 hours, the interesting thing is, well, it's true. There are certain tasks that you just won't have to do anymore. Right. But the thing that people don't realize is, yeah, 
those, those people won't do those tasks, but what they do is they go on to do more important things. Right. And that's actually how we sell the software. Interesting. We sell the software based on the fact that it generates time. Mm. And so the questions, so tech entrepreneurs, as far as my voice can reach, <laughs> they, they, they do the same thing over and over again that just irritates me to no end. And that is they concentrate way too much on the software, the app, okay. the thing. Right. And not the impact that the thing has. Interesting. Wow. So if you think about huh. that, yeah. If wow. you think about that, the whatever the thing is and whatever the thing does and whatever the impact is is always more valuable than the thing. Interesting. Always. So 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 let's 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 talk about that with Avid Exchange. Let's let's go all the way back to the beginning. Let, let's let's go before. Do we have to? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to help our our audience understand like the. I think one of the things is when somebody looks at you today and yeah. they see this interview, yeah, they see this end product, the, the yeah. version of end yeah. today, right? Yeah, they don't realize like what it, yeah, how how this thing kind of evolved, right? Yeah, yeah. they don't see the entrepreneur's journey to get into here today, yeah. right? And so I, I want to let's let's even go back it, to I go all the way back. I give you a couple. Yeah, well, you want to go fa- further than that? I, I would say let's maybe even just start with. How did Avid Exchange start as an idea? What, what what was the thing you were looking to solve for at the moment? Well, so now, first of all, just real quick. So here's a couple of here's here's who we are today. Our value is one point four billion. Okay, which that's pretty good. That's awesome. <laughs> and then we um, we we generate about this year's goal is like 129 million. Okay. Last year's was 100, the year before that was 50, the year before that was 25. Okay. You get the point, you right. see how the ramp goes. Right. And um, and we're aiming for 350. Okay. And that's that's kind of in our that's in our wheelhouse. Uh, we have 1200 employees and we're the ninth largest fintech financial technology company in the country right now. Wow. And but here's the thing that I love to tell people Hopefully this will tell you how super rare this is. And um, we're known as what's called a business unicorn. You, you know what a business unicorn is? Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's any company that has a, a value over a billion that's privately held, which, right. is, which is who we are. Right. But here's the thing that most people don't know about a business unicorn, is that you're three times more likely to make the NFL than you are to create a business unicorn. <laughs> That's Isn't true. that crazy? <laughs> 90% of all business unicorns are in Silicon Valley. Okay, so we have yeah. one here right in Charlotte, North Carolina. Which is hard to pull off. It's crazy hard to pull off. And so I like to baseline that by saying it didn't start like that. Right, so it right. started, so it was, it was five of us. Mm-hmm. And now all five of us were connected. And the other thing about all five of us were we weren't friends. Mm. We weren't roommates. We weren't buddies. Now, we weren't adversaries or enemies. But it's one thing that I like for people to think about when they start thinking about starting their company is that you have to have a partner. Yeah. You have to have a couple of partners at best because that's always that give and take. And, um, and one of the things that we didn't do very well with, which I think we suffered, is that we weren't real diverse. Mm. You know, we were a bunch of college-educated white guys. Okay. And entrepreneurs never put too much on diversity because they're just trying to get the bills paid. Right. right. And, something, and, that, and that's like something, well, that can come later. Right. right. But um, it, it probably would have been better if we would have mixed it up just a little mm, bit. Interesting. In yeah. Okay. Because that would have been part of our fabric. But anyway, we had an idea to um, 
we had an idea to create a real estate exchange, which meant that we wanted to uh, court and woo suppliers to come on our website and sell to real estate property managers. Okay. So here, this is my favorite story about the early days. Our very first pitch was in New York City. We got this meeting with this guy, and he was a huge venture capitalist. Okay. In all the ways that you can think of a huge New York City venture capitalist would be. Right. And he asked us the name of our company, and we said, it's Avid Exchange. And he said, I guess all the good names have been taken. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so guess how much we raised? Zero. Zero, yeah. So we were forced, which is really good. By the way, the company is here today because we raised zero. Mm. Um, people can get money at people get money at the wrong time from the wrong person for the wrong reason will kill their business interesting even in the first even in the first 15 hires if you hire someone who's toxic can kill the business that's right absolutely yeah. culture is so important incredibly important so what we were forced to do was sell our software mm. and nobody wanted it so mm. we changed it and we we said well how about this one and nobody wanted it and we changed it for a third time is what? Third time is the... The charm. It's, well, this was a failure, too. Oh, this was a failure. <laughs> I wish it was. So we had a third offering we sent out to the marketplace, and the market said, place said, forget it. Okay. And that was two years. And so if you think about those three in failures, I, mean, I can come back to that because I don't believe in failure. Right. You know, And if you think about those three products in the marketplace saying, no thanks. Um, it, here's the great thing about failure. And the great thing about failure is for some reason, you know when you start something and maybe you're with your buddies or you're with your, your wife or your spouse or whatever, and you're like, I got this great idea. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. We're going to take on the world. I call that fluff. Right, right. So you got all this fluff. And the great thing about three failures in two years is you have no more fluff. Right. The right. fluff is gone. <laughs> and so we had three goals. And I remember, I remember it clear as I was sitting here right here talking about them. And the first goal was we wanted to create a piece of software people were willing to buy. Right. Now, that's something that tech entrepreneurs and a lot of entrepreneurs just miss, mm -hmm. is that they want to create something that maybe is cool or something that they like. Something that people already know about. <laughs> There's a lot to that. And, 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 and you know... We can talk about idea creation because when you create, when you take something that is already being done, you've commoditized yourself to the point where you have no margin for error. Mm -hmm. And so when you're truly innovative, you have huge margins for error. Interesting. Because you're defining the market. Right. right. So anyway, here we are. We wanted to create a piece of software people were willing to buy. We wanted to create a piece of software that people were willing to buy at a high price mm -hmm. because of this. Uh, impact, not greed. Okay. So we felt like if it was a high price, it would have a big impact. Mm -hmm. Not because we want to get rich. Right, right. Entrepreneurs that want to get rich within six weeks usually go, you know, Bob's back up. to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tell you, the, fir the first year we were in business, I got my car repoed, oh, which wow. was a uh, Nissan Altima. So that's like Whoa. two strikes. That's the most affordable car in the world. That's right. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> but it... But let me ask you a question, in sure. there, because it, it's fascinating. So three times, as you said, you, it's unique in the way you worded it. The market said no. The market said no, yeah. Did you feel like that was a personal rejection? Like, how, how did that hit you 
for three times for you guys to put something together, invest your time, money, and energy in, put it out there for the world, and people said no. Because I'm sure eventually now your associates start looking at you going, okay, he's got, I don't know what's his problem. But. Well, it's not, the associates aren't <laughs> as bad as your family. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. My, my family and my in-laws were just, part of them were digging it because they just love to see us struggle. And then right. the other... The other part were like, what are you doing? Just get it together. Right. Go get a job. Get a job. Yeah, get a job. <laughs> Go get a job. You know, um, I hope this sticks with someone because this was, this was, looking back, I see it now. Then I didn't understand how powerful it was, but looking back, I see how powerful this is. And people ask me all the time, well, how did you... In the middle of all that mess, how'd you get up? How'd you go to work? Right. You know, and the answer is I felt like I was doing something important. Okay. And you had a why. I did. I had you, a big You, you but, had a why. But I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. And so that was that kind of that inner, that inner thing was, you know, I don't know what it is, but I'm, it's, you know, I'm sure it's really big. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt like I was doing something important. I felt like if I would have gone, you know, no disrespect to the bank, because I think about that all the time. I felt like if I was go to work, well, first of all, I don't think that happens. I didn't, really have, <laughs> I didn't have discernible skills. I have, a, I have a degree in history and museum studies. So we're not talking about lighting the world on fire. Right, yes. right. But uh, by the way, great degree for an entrepreneur. Really good. Interesting. Anything in liberal arts is yeah. a fantastic degree for entrepreneurs. And I'm a fan of history. So. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, but. I felt like I was doing something important. I felt like we were working towards something that would be meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have, I didn't think it would be a billion dollar company. That was not even, people say, well, can you, can you believe where you are today? And the answer is, the funny thing is, I don't know, hopefully this comes across okay. It's like that friend that you hadn't seen for months and they put on a lot of weight. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but all the people around them are like, no, that's just, what's right, his name? Right, you know? right, right, right. Because they right. see him every single they see day. every day. That's yeah, right. that's the that's way right. Avid is. So yeah. It's like the friend that you haven't seen that, that put on hilarious. a lot of weight. <laughs> that's funny. But, um, you know, so, but at, at, at year two, you would think there are three failures. But the way that I, I the way that it was perceived at the moment was, wasn't failures. They were, well, that just didn't work. Right, right. And, right. and and that didn't bother me at all. It was mm-hmm. kind of like trying something. It's not like we put our heart and soul into it. Right. I mean, we put enough into it to see if it would work. But we always had the notion that we ought, we got so the goals something that people were willing to buy, and the market said no. So goal number one, we got to stick to goal number one. Willing to buy, buy at a premium, and then stick with us. We wanted a product that people would just use and use and use and use. Right. So here's what happened. Off the back of the third quote-unquote failure, mm-hmm. one of our customers, who I think they just did business with us because they felt sorry for us, <laughs> he said, he's in Atlanta, Georgia, he said, you've created a problem for me. I requisition online, and then you send me a paper invoice. And he said, just kind of really off the cuff, is there any way you can digitize the invoice? And they said, well, you know, let's, let's run it through the model here. Is it something people are willing to buy? And he uh-huh. said, yes. And they said, well, would you pay 75 grand for it? And he mm-hmm. said, absolutely. Now, keep in mind, we had only made 60 grand the last two years. Oh, wow. So our reaction to 75 grand was, are you kidding? Right. Is right. this for real? Right. And then 97.7% is our retention rate from that day Whoa. on that product. Wow. Yep. Now, now. For, for those who may not know, and I'm sure by the time, you know, you're watching this and you've seen some of the social media stuff we put out, you probably looked into it. You, you guys are, I mean, at the end of the day, you're in payroll. 
We're in we're in payments. Payments. Yeah, we're in payments, which means that whenever someone wants to make a payment, it's B two B payments. Right. Whenever someone wants to make a payment to their landscaper, they can send it through right. our uh, software. But but the, the, the interesting thing about the the world you're in, and this is why I truly believe it's a business unicorn, is because it's almost like going back to the. Dis- disaster disruptor piece you talked about you're in a space that's not sexy it is not sexy there's nothing sexy about <laughs> this business sexy. world right yeah, yeah. about payment no, there's nothing there's out a, there well we technically automate the accounting process which is not sexy right yeah. it, but at the same time you're also the tesla of the industry no right? it's, it's true like everybody knows that to make an automobile you get need a factory you need some but somehow tesla became this yeah thing that yeah be, it, that kind of took the industry to another level yeah. and that's yeah. when I looked at what you guys do I'm like well what is it I can't put my finger on it on why Avid Exchange would make these sort of leaps that they've been able to make in such a short time and the only thing I could come back to was there has to be something about the culture <laughs> and the and the and the vision in which you guys go about the business here talk a little bit about what from the first time you hired the first employee, which was, I'm sure, yourself and a couple of the buddies, but no, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I remember the first the first hire we made was a woman named Heather Caudill, and she's runs our entire. She's SVP of services today. Okay. The great thing I, I was just talking about this yesterday with somebody. Mm-hmm. The great thing about Heather is I don't know how many hundreds of people report back up to her, mm-hmm. but she she has the ability to be in a meeting and someone say. You know, I got this issue, and she will have lived that issue. Wow! Yeah, it's really remarkable. Wow! And and it and it and it, people have a lot of respect for her because I remember when we hired her, I used to give her the the worst jobs ever. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she doesn't do those jobs now. But I got to right. tell you, so it, so let me so let me um, so let me let me answer your question in a story if you don't mind. Sure, sure. And so when. When we created that Avid Invoice product, um, that thing grew a million dollars every single year steady. And then here's what happened is that at year nine, we realized that we had $7 million committed for that year. And I remember Mike, our CEO, talking about if we don't sell anything, which all the salespeople, I think we had like four salespeople, like, oh, I wish you would shut up about this. If we, and he's like, if we don't sell anything, we make $7 million. Now, here's the thing about that that I think is so remarkable is that most companies would have said, that's good. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I like to tell people, and see how this hits you, um, is that everything going okay is one of the biggest disruptors to big dreams. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. when things are going okay, you're you have a tendency to leave well enough alone, not rock the boat. You get comfortable. Well, it that's the worst of it. Yeah, you get comfortable. But in this case, you're like, you know what, I don't want to mess what up what I got going on here. Let's maintain it. So let's and then and then what happens is that they say, But you know what? I think there's more out there. Uh, but the thing is, when you want to go after the there's more out there, mm-hmm. um, you can't keep doing what you're doing expecting to get what you're getting. That's right. So if you want to go after what's out there, what you have to do is you have to change everything you think about. That's right. What you think about, what you think about when you go to sleep, when you wake up, how you go to work, when you go to work, who you talk to, right. who do you associate yourself with, what numbers, what KPIs, how you manage all, everything. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you, have to, you have to scrap everything and then move over here. So here's what we did. 
is what we did was we um, we argued for about two years on whether we should just leave well enough alone or go after what we thought was the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And we came to the conclusion that we're going to go after the big thing. Okay. The people who didn't had to leave, mm -hmm. and they left. And these are people that I'd known for a long time. Wow. And that actually was very, that was very emotional. Well, how, how does that journey hit a leader? Because in, in a, a regular person who might just be working as an individual contributor watching this interview might go, but yeah, most leaders kind of lead a callous life. Like they, they kind of cut and run and just keep it moving. How, how did that hit you to have to do that with people that, have helped you kind of groom this thing to seven million a year. It was it was devastating. Now here's the funny thing about it. The funny thing about it was all the talks up to and as they decided to leave seemed very intellectual. Okay. And but there was this incredible amount of passion around it. And then when they when they left, it was devastating. Because mm. like it does it have to be this way? Mm. You know, does it have to be winners and losers? And the answer is yes. Interesting. Yeah. But here's what happened. This is what happened: is that we raised, we we borrowed some money, we bought another company. We saw that they had a payment process. We didn't like the payment process, and we wrote a very simple program to analyze payments to determine if it could be paid electronically or by way of a check. Okay. And then someone said on an offhanded comment, they said, instead of sending those payments through the bank, uh, you can send them through Mastercard. And the funny thing is that when you send a payment through MasterCard, MasterCard pays you a rebate, which is a bonus. Mm. And we, we intellectually, we saw that happening. By the way, I'm going to have a moment of truth here because when we said, so here's what we said. Here's what the company said. The company said, we're going to take everything out of that product that had given us $7 million, all the development, all of the services. We're going to strip it down to its bare minimum. And we're going to put everything we have on this new, unproven product without any customers. Now, that is definitely the definition of risky um, and probably some heartburn. That <laughs> Well, I said it wasn't going to work. I said wow. it was a terrible idea. Really? Well, because here's my thing. I knew all of those customers. And that was, that was kind of my wheelhouse with those customers. And, I, and my thing was, are you telling me that we are going to take our bread and butter... And we're going to bring it over here to right. the opposite of bread and butter. <laughs> Burnt toast. Pastor <laughs> turf. <laughs> what, you know, right. what, so you mean to tell me that we're going to leave all these people hanging mm -hmm. and we're going to put it all on this thing? Wow. And, um, and he said, yeah. Wow. And guess what? It won. Mm. It won in a big way. It won in a huge way. This thing... I probably shouldn't tell you this. <laughs> Every time we put a dollar into it, three were produced on the back end. Okay. It's incredible. Okay. It's absolutely incredible. Now, 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 I, I want to pick your brain on that. Because you, you, and in your heart, were very sure this isn't going to work. A, I thought it was a terrible <laughs> idea. But then... And I want to go back to this idea of risks, too. Yeah. So, so you, you, you go to bed, you're, you're, you're nervous, you're probably biting your nails. You're like, we're about to lose again, right? You're see, you probably saw that fourth loss yeah. coming, yeah. but then it hits. How, how did that impact you when, you, when, you, when the light bulb kind of went off to go, oh my gosh, this actually might be a thing? Well, so here's the thing, just to, to tell the real story... 
I said, this is a terrible idea. We can't do this. There's got to be some kind of happy medium. Right. And, and it's really Mike, the CEO. He said, nope, this is the way it's going to be. And then when he said that, I said, I'm on board. Okay. So that, that's a really important distinction. Interesting. Because there was no heartburn. Right. There was, and, I, and my thing is, and maybe hopefully this will, this will kind of go back to the purpose of the podcast, is my thing is that people have to hear the you have to You have to hear people's voices. Mm-hmm. But not only do you have to hear people's voices, but you have to hear the passion that's behind it. Right. But when the decision's made, that's it. That's right. That's it. Right. And um, I trusted I trusted in Mike, and I still do. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, but the thing is, so remember that idea of risk? Well, you're yeah. risking everything. The reality is, we weren't really risking anything in, res- in, in this respect that, so I get this all the time. I can't be an entrepreneur because I'm not a good risk taker. I don't know any successful entrepreneurs that are risk takers. <laughs> They're calculative. Yeah. So what I like to say is that, and by the way, you know, because I want to tell you about our fundraising. Yeah. And, um, I, I haven't met a venture capitalist or, or a fund person who's a risk taker either. I don't know. I don't have very many risk takers in my circles. Right. And now I know a lot of unskilled entrepreneurs that take these crazy risks. And I'm like, don't do that. Right, right. Don't do it. Don't um, bet the farm. Don't. Yeah. I mean, you can. But here's the thing. You can leverage we bet, the farm. We bet, <laughs> no, we bet the farm on that patient. And it, it went. It won. Okay. Because Mike knew it was going to win. He knew it. He was certain that it was going to win. And that's all I needed to know to go okay. along. Is that once he said this was going to win. Mm-hmm. Now, I, t- I gave my piece. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think of every time I see him. <laughs> but here's the thing. Is that entrepreneurs aren't, aren't risk takers. They're geniuses at managing uncertainty. Mm. And that's a big difference if you mm. think about it. And so if you think about... And then hopefully I'm giving this to someone who will... It'll, their ears will perk up with, around the skill of managing uncertainty. I'm not a risk taker. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I do know that if I decide to do something, and I, I think there's another company in me, and I think there's another opportunity. Really? To do oh, yeah. We'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't have any desire or time frame to leave Avid Exchange, but I believe that there's another company in me somewhere. And I know that when I go and start that other venture, I'm not going to just copy and paste Avid Exchange because right. it won't work like that. Right. But I also know that there are certain things that I can count on to make myself successful. Absolutely. One, I can make my phone calls. Yeah. Two, I can sell the real value and impact. Right. You know, things that anyone can do. Right. And right. that uh, you'll see entrepreneurs struggle. The entrepreneurs that struggle versus the ones that seem to do better always have this real good focus on selling, on mm. real good selling. Yeah. So let's let's talk about um, your perspective on a couple of different items. When you talk about technology and you talk about a business like Avid Exchange, obviously you're bringing in multiple generations. You've been able to attract uh, people to this idea. I mean, there was an awesome special that was done on you guys a couple months ago which is the reason why I even reached out because I, cool. I thought, wow, this is this really did happen. Yeah. Um, what do you think millennials bring to a company that might be missed 
by even Xers sometimes that is important, an important asset to, yeah. to the future and what's going on today in the world? Well, one, now by the way, this is interesting that we've connected because you probably don't know my secret undercurrent. My secret undercurrent is I believe that millennials, you know, quote unquote, make phenomenally good, innovative salespeople and entrepreneurs. Interesting. And the reason why is because in order to be an in order to sell something that's innovative, now first of all, you have to know a couple of things about innovation. Is that when you're truly innovative, one, no one knows anything about you. Right. So two, they're scared to death. Right. And <laughs> three, no one's gonna buy anything they're scared to death of. Right. <laughs> and you can and you don't even have to think about technology. I mean, you can go all the way back to the automobile. Right. Back to you know the telephone or anything. You know, right. people just when 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 something is brand new, people just fear it. That's right. And so it takes a really interesting person to be able to convey the impact and the positive nature of it. And what it does, one of the biggest things that it takes to be um, an innovative um, entrepreneur or sell anything that's innovative, is the um, the the dismiss the natural dismissing of traditional models. Mm. So mm. interesting. It, yes. Interesting. <laughs> so if you take everything that millennials get dinged on, well, you know, they don't pay they don't pay their dues. <laughs> right. You know, they don't listen. They're always opinionated. Right, right. All of those things make the perfect innovative entrepreneur, innovative salesperson. Interesting. Because you have to leave everything traditional at the door. Now listen, I know you enjoyed listening to part one of this interview just as much as I did actually doing this interview. I mean, you have no idea this was a great interview. Now listen, it's actually not over because you can actually go over to YouTube, our channel, yes, right now, and subscribe, High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders, and guess what? You can watch the full interview. You can see I've got some extra bonus footage uh, of us actually being able to go through the company and talk to some employees and learn a little bit more, not only about Chris, but also the company as well. Listen, if you don't want to miss it, make sure you go over to YouTube and you subscribe. Well, for all of my podcast listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. Now, however you got here, make sure you share this with anyone. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at High Level Wisdom Altogether. Share this with everybody you know. Make sure you show some love. And we look forward to seeing you in the comments as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I promise you, you will get part two of my interview in just a few minutes. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that whatever you do today, that you do it at high level. Take care, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 